For years, the American public has been victimized by the so-called cinematic geniuses, telling us time and again to see inferior movies, leaving us bitter and lost with no one return. But no more! This travesty of justice cannot and will not continue, because we now have the Cinema Judge! Hello and welcome to The Cinema Judge. For all my regular listeners, thank you once again for showing up and listening. I really appreciate it. And if you're a new listener, let me tell you a little bit about what we do here at The Cinema Judge. I've been doing this show now for 20 years in Bloomington, Minnesota. It's a cable access show. And what I do there is I get all the information from the studio. I get interviews. I get scenes. I get B-roll. And what I do is I make one giant infomercial. That's what we do here. We're not here to criticize people, make fun of people. We love movies, and we want to share movies with you. That's our goal. And if you ever want to watch the TV version of this show, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage. It's blm, as in Bloomington, dot mn, backward slash, btv, dash, shows. And when you get there, you type in Cinema Judge, two words, and then, boom, a lot of our shows will show up. Is it 20 years worth? Of course not. You can't put 20 years of stuff on there, but... There's a few on there. They're on demand, so you don't have to wait for it to air at a certain time. If you want to watch it, you can watch it then. So that's what this show is in a nutshell. We love movies. We like to share movies. We like to talk movies. And just a real quick side note, recently I heard from a listener that they use this podcast as their own little form of, of a book club. They listen to the show, and then they watch the movie, or they watch the movie and listen to the show, and then eventually the whole group gets together on a Skype phone call or whatever they do, and they talk about the movie they saw, and then they also use this show as a reference. They talk about what they said, an actor said this, or they said that. And that's what is really spectacular, is that that's what this is all about. It's about sharing movies, talking about movies, and listening to, to what the actors have to say. So that is just totally fantastic. And they even had a little name for themselves. They called themselves, wait for it, the Judge Heads. I know. You gotta love it. So that's what they do. People get together, use this, talk about movies. I find that just fantastic. Now, approaching the bench today, we have a TV show called WandaVision. It's airing on Disney+. Plus. I'm sure most of you know about it, but if you don't, this is from the whole MCU universe. It stars two of the people from the whole Avengers world. It has Vision and Wanda. In those movies, they're a couple. But they don't really get to have much screen time. So you don't really know a lot about their relationship. This show covers some of that. It is a unique, very different show. And it took a lot of nuts for them to go for this go this route. So it is very entertaining and fun. And to the listener I recently talked to today who said a lot of my movies lately have been so down and depressing and sad that they wanted to hear something that was a little bit more upbeat. Well, this is for you. The themes of this story are, are sad. It's about grieving, but how they handle it is very well done. It's done with comedy and a lot of other devices. So that being said, here is the trailer for WandaVision. 
We now have first-person intel from inside the Westview anomaly. What are we looking at here? Is it an alternate reality, time travel? It's a sitcom. Starring two Avengers? It's a working theory. Well, I know the apron is a bit much, dear, but I am doing my best to blend in. Hello, dear. Hiya, kid. Hiya, kiddos. Life moves pretty fast out in the suburbs. I think something's wrong here. <laughs> Should we just take it from the top? Wanda. Wanda. I don't know how any of this started. What is outside of Westfield? Yeah, I'm not sure what that's about. It's probably just a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Am I right? <gasps> Is this really happening? Yes, my love. Are you crying? But I'm invested. Coming up next, we're going to play a featurette. Now, in this featurette, you're going to have the architect of all thing Marvel, Kevin Feige. And you're going to hear from the director, some producers, and other players. And in this featurette, they're going to talk about how they shot the TV show, what it's all about, how it came about, because this is a big swing that they took for this show. Because these guys, you'll hear later on too, and as, as you well know, they weren't main players in the series. But in this, you really get to delve into their relationship, and it's just a wonderful show. So here's the little featurette on WandaVision. For the first time, Marvel Studios is producing long-form epic series for Disney+. One of the series is called WandaVision. We have not seen Wanda Maximoff and Vision since the events of Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Where do we go from that? Wanda, welcome home. WandaVision fits inside of the larger MCU in that these are characters that we're familiar with and we love, but we're seeing them in a totally new environment and in a new light. We are an unusual couple, you know? Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. Let's roll and playback, please. WandaVision opens in a classic 1950s black and white sitcom. We are kind of recreating a whole era of television and trying to do it with this authenticity. For the first episode, it's the start of the sitcom land. <laughs> it's to an audience, and we filmed it in front of a live audience. It was nerve-wracking, but I think it it was so rewarding and so funny. What a charming door knocker. And cut. Through the course of the series, we see several different iterations of the golden era of sitcoms and television. This begins in a lovely way. But this is the MCU, so of course all is not what it seems. I think something's wrong here, Wanda. It feels really cinematic and epic. WandaVision is going to be a mind-bending and a very unique story, unlike anything you've seen before. Coming up next, we have Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Wanda. Now, you know her from all these films, but she's also in the TV show Sorry for Your Loss, 2017 Wind River, of course, 2016 Captain America, 2015 I Saw the Light, 2014 Godzilla, and 2013 Old Boy, just to name a few. But what really sets this show apart, people are going to truly realize the incredible talent of Elizabeth Olsen. 
She has such range, such ability, such elegance, sophistication, and you can just see that in her performance. And she can swing so many different ways in the series, from comedy to drama to all things in between. So I really, truly believe that this is really going to set her afire. I mean, obviously everybody knows how good of an actress she is, but now they can truly see her range. So here she is talking about how she reacted to the concept of this show. When I first heard about the concept for WandaVision, it was with Kevin Feige and Lou Desposito. And I immediately just thought it was going to be um, a very fun and challenging way to tell a story. I, it's, um, it's an amazing opportunity to kind of reinvent the wheel. And um, we get a challenge new audience members, hopefully, who don't know Marvel as well. And then we get to challenge our, our fans to um, to watch a story unfold in a totally different way. But it is still 100% MCU through and through. Um, but yeah, I immediately, immediately fell in love with the, with the idea the moment I heard it. Coming up next, we have Paul Bettany, who plays Vision. Now, you know him from all these films, of course. In more recently, the 2020 film Uncle Frank, 2018 Solo, A Star Wars Story, the 2017 show Manhunt, 2017 Journey's End, 2015 Legend, 2011 Margin Call and Priest, 2010 Legion, 2009 The Young Victoria, Master Commander, A Beautiful Mind, and in 2001 he starred in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. If you've never seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you need to see it. It is a fantastic film. And I could go on and on. But here he is talking about how he felt when he first heard the concept for WandaVision. When I first heard of the concept of this show, I thought it was bananas and brilliant. And um, Kevin and I have been talking um, about um, uh, the Visions, which is a really great um, uh, comic book series uh, that I love about the Vision in, in suburbia. And then uh, also talking about the uh, House of M, and it just felt like a really great mashup with um, some American sitcom stuff thrown in too. Coming up next, we have Elizabeth Olsen talking about how this show starts off. We find as the series kicks off, Wanda and Vision living in the suburbs as as two people in a relationship, and they are just trying to pass as normal as possible and hope that no one discovers their secret of being superheroes. Up next, we have Paul Bettany, who plays Vision. In this interview, he also talks about how the show starts off. When, so when the um, series starts, um, we're going to find Wanda and Vision a little confused. Um, they appear to have found themselves in a sort of idyllic, American suburban 1950s black and white life and they realize they're in some sort of sitcom and then as the episodes progress they begin to realize that they're hurtling through the American century decade by decade uh, week by week and you know vision begins to suspect there's something not quite right about this town Coming up next, we're going to hear from the director, Matt Shakeman. 
Now, he has just been all over the place. He has directed so many great shows from the 2020 show, The Great, the TV show Succession, The Boys, Billions, Game of Thrones, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Good Wife, and American Gothic, just to name a few. This guy is so talented, and put th- to trust him with this series is just a perfect way to go. He handles this so many decades with such ease, and just it's incredible to watch somebody who knows their skill make something so well done. So here he is talking about the two characters and how we kind of talked about earlier in the show, how little time they really got during the whole Avengers movies, but now how they get their just desserts, if that's the right word. So here is Matt Shackman talking about the couple. Wanda and Vision are an amazing love story. Uh, you know, they have relatively little screen time in the Avengers films compared to, you know, there's so many different characters and big events happening, but they make such an indelible impression, even in the short amount of time that we get to meet them. Um, they are funny and charming. Um, they clearly have this incredible connection and they're so different. Um, she is, she suffered so much loss. She's fiery. She's powerful. Um, he is this synthesoid who's a little bit human, but seems maybe more human than the rest of us, seems to know more about what it is to be human and his calm, knowledgeable presence with her fiery, passionate one. It really is the ultimate opposites attract. Up next, we hear from Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Wanda, and she talks about why she thinks fans are a fan of their relationship. I think fans love Wanda and Vision's relationship because it's a really pure expression of um of love and um and there's something that's really in the in the films has been really soft and gentle and um born out of this ai character um understanding how to feel and so i think i think that's kind of a of just a beautiful story to get to watch. And there's something really gentle between the two of them. And now we get to launch them into a completely wild and different world and watch them, watch them be as normal as they can be in their wildest dreams. Up next, we hear from Paul Bettany who plays vision. And he was asked the same question. Why does he think fans are fans of their relationship? That's a really good question. I think the reason fans love Wonder and Vision and their relationship so much is we, I think we all see couples that meet at, that complete each other, but they complete each other at really bad places within themselves. And I think that Wonder and Vision just complete each other in, in, in a really great way. And it's what makes them such a strong unit and powerful fighting unit. Coming up next, we're going to hear from the director, and he talks about how great it was to work with both Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. They both have incredible range and skill. Here he is talking about working with them and their skills. Elizabeth Olsen is a marvel, no pun intended. She is capable of doing anything. Same with Paul Bettany. They are such amazing actors. Their, their ability to do different tones and styles, to shift from drama to comedy effortlessly, sometimes in the same scene. Um, they have incredible chemistry together, which I think is part of the what makes that relationship work so much. Um, and they're fearless. They are fearless actors. They're willing to do anything and uh, and do the silliest thing uh, to also the most adventurous stunts, things like that. They are they're amazing. I was lucky to work with them. 
Coming up next, we're going to hear from Paul Bettany, who plays Vision. Now, in this interview, it's so wonderful hearing these kind of interviews, where how much he appreciates everybody involved. Because in this kind of TV show, it deals with so many decades, so many elements that are moving all at once, and everybody has to be at the top of their game. So it's really fun to hear an actor appreciate everybody around them. They're not just oblivious to, this is just me, me, me. He appreciates all it takes to make this kind of show. So here he is talking a little bit about that. I think one of the things I love about this show is how I think everybody was given free reign to be incredibly creative. And, you know, we have some uh, extraordinarily um, uh, fastidious uh, heads of department like, uh, you know, Jess Hall, who I've known for years and made a, a couple of films with, is the DP. And the amount of energy and effort and, and hours that were put into making sure that we had a, a incredibly accurate style of photography for each and every one of these um, eras. And that... Um, that was across the board, but the, the, the costumes were incredibly accurate, the hair and makeup, the wigs, and, um, and you know, all the way through to dialect coaching. For Lizzie specifically, you know, to, to get that sort of strange mid-Atlantic thing that people did in, in American TV at the time. Up next, we're going to hear from the director, and he talks about the challenges of trying to get each decade right, from texture, color, clothing, you name it, everything really had to be focused on we as a viewer just take it for granted but these people really did it they wanted to make it feel authentic so this is the director talking about all of that we were very careful in our attention to detail we wanted to make sure the palette was accurate for each era and each show that the red in the 70s was the actual red we wanted um we looked at uh you know dialect coaching and 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 coaching about just sort of physical presence like how do you sit how do you stand in different eras Obviously, wigs, hair was really important. Costuming, using vintage fabrics. Our costume designer, Myas Rubio, did a brilliant job recreating these eras, but also making them feel very focused on Wanda and Vision as characters. And our production designer had to design basically the same house, both inside and out, in multiple different eras. So it's the same house. It's just changing with the style of the different eras. Up next, we're going to hear from Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Wanda. Again, This is so fantastic to hear these kind of interviews. She talks about going to a boot camp, how much they really had to focus on each episode and how each episode pretty much was a different decade from what we used to watch. The skill and the patience in being able to dig into each era and just trying to pick out certain nuances. It's just really fun to listen to. So here she is. The preparation for the, for all the sitcoms, um, was was started with boot camp. It started with a Matt Shackman, our our fearless director leader, boot camp with Jack Schaefer, our um our creator. And we as an ensemble, as a cast, we watched every single um direct reference for each decade. And so we kind of uh, associated each episode with one sitcom and we would watch um, those episodes together and then on top of it you as an actor you were trying we're trying to tell these stories authentically through sitcom so we're trying to we're trying to recreate a real sitcom show that could have been filmed with the style and the tone and how we walk how we dress how we sound and so 
and your mannerisms. And so that would change decade to decade. So that is, that's physical, it's, um, it's costumes, it's, it's speech, it's where your voice comes from. So there's a lot of fun, dorky actor preparation that you get to do. And then the moment it comes into Malcolm in the middle, everything becomes like super uh, cynical. And, um, and then that, that transition was, was also equally as enjoyable as um, referencing Bewitched. Up next, we have director Matt Shackman talking about the decision to shoot the first episode in front of an actual live audience. Because in that era, that's how it was done. He wanted these people to understand, have it feel that way. So here he is talking about the decision and that whole process. Part of our goal of being as authentic as possible was a decision to shoot episode one in front of a live studio audience. Uh, some of our touchstones were the Dick Van Dyke show and I Love Lucy and those shows were done in front of a live audience and it really contributed to the style of the show, that adrenaline of going out and doing it live in front of an audience. And the audience was a, a character as well. Those laughs were real. They were, they were alive reacting to what they were seeing and how they reacted affected the performance. So it was really important to me that our first episode of WandaVision have that same spark, that same lightning in a bottle. We rehearsed it like a play, and then we went out and did it in front of an audience. The only difference between our audience and the Dick Van Dyke audience is they had all signed NDAs. Up next, we have Elizabeth Olsen. She talks about the challenges of working in front of a live audience and how it forced them to rip off the Band-Aid, just go out there and do it. But it's not like being on stage, there's a camera there, and you don't, you're you not playing to the audience, but they're there. So here she is, talking about the joys of working in front of a live audience. The episode one being shot in front of a live audience was so terrifying, <laughs> but it was so fun. There's so much adrenaline. Um, it was a perfect way to thrust us um, into sitcom land. It really ripped the bandaid off. And it was complicated, though, because it's not like theater. You're not playing to an audience. You're playing to the camera. But there is an audience that you kind of want to play to. So it, it confused um, my brain a bit. But um, it really launched us bravely into full throttle sitcom mode. And um, it's an experience I'll never have again, I don't think. So I was, it was just, a. will keep it close to me for a long time. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Paul Bettany. Now, this is, again, one of these great interviews because he is incredibly honest about how he felt when he heard we we're going to shoot in front of a live audience. Now, this is those kind of interviews where you want to know what was it really like? What was said? How much did he dig his heels in? Because in this interview, he'll tell us he dug his heels in. He really didn't want to do it since it's been so long since he's done it. So, you know, you always read about these things like maybe years later where they go, so-and-so didn't want to do this or they were upset about this, but he's very upfront about it. He's like, I didn't want to do it. So just imagine being that fly in the wall. And was that conversation a real serious, I don't want to do this? And it was, was it like a, a fight back and forth? Or was it just a casual, oh man, I really don't want to do this. I realize it doesn't you know make any difference. But you always want to know how dramatic of a situation was that? Did it cause stress or tension? But here he is talking about that. Um, so when it came to shooting episode one, um, I remember the day that Matt Shackman told Lizzie and I that we were going to shoot it in front of a live studio audience. And I was really recalcitrant. I, I, I did not, I dug my heels in. I was not keen on the idea. It had been 20 years since I'd been in front of an audience. And um, 
But he was insistent. And it turns out that he was entirely right. There is a performative style in the Dick Van Dyke show that you can feel that there is an audience in the room because there's an audience in the room and, and they are projecting past the camera to that audience and playing for their laughs, which are in turn taped and, and, and the thing that we hear on the, in the television show. And I think it, it was, it, it really bonded everybody together. The, the crew were wearing um, costumes. Uh, we were, of course, were wearing costumes and we were also running behind backstage to, to, um, you know, bumping into each Catherine Hahn falling over at the prop table and then coming on stage. And and, and I think it, it, it gave us that sense of style. It gave us a sense of fearlessness because uh, we were all there and thinking, and Tiana was in the audience because she's not in the first episode and she was, we were all, we were all like, well, I guess this is what the show is. And so you really, you were able to really let go and just go for it after that. It was a, it was a great experience. We're going to play a clip from that first episode. Now, in this clip, they're both in the kitchen, and on the calendar, there's a heart on one of the dates, but neither one can remember why that is there. So they both have this banter back and forth, trying to pretend each might know, but they don't know. So when the scene is playing out, you could hear the audience in the background, and it, it plays out just like those old Dick Van Dyke shows and I Love Lucy. I wonder, is there something special about today? Well, I know the apron is a bit much, dear, but I am doing my best to blend in. No, no, there on the calendar, someone's drawn a little hard right above today's date. Oh, yes, the heart. Hmm. Well, don't tell me you have forgotten, Viz. Forgotten? Oh, wonder. I'm incapable of forgetfulness. I remember everything. That's not an exaggeration. In fact, I'm incapable of exaggeration. Well, then tell me what's so important about today's date. <laughs> What was the question again? Oh, well, perhaps she forgot me herself. Hey, heavens no. I've been so looking forward to it. As have I. Today, we are celebrating. You bet we are. It's the first time we mm -hmm. have ever celebrated this occasion before. It's a special day. Perhaps an evening. Of great significance. To us both. Naturally. Obviously. Exactly. <laughs> well done, us. Up next, we hear from the director talking a little bit more about taking that deep dive in prepping for this show. There was a lot of preparation getting ready for WandaVision. We had to be as authentic as possible to the sitcoms that we were creating. We wanted to make sure that we avoided parody and that we really felt like we were bringing to life these shows the way they would have brought them to life back in the day. So designer, cinematographer, actors, everybody did a deep dive into sitcom television history. We studied episodes, we read books about the making of, we talked to people who we could, who had actually made them. Um, and for the, the actors in particular, we did a sitcom boot camp where we went through and watched multiple episodes and tried on different styles and tones. Next, we hear from Elizabeth Olsen. Again, now she's talking about how much she appreciates all the departments, everybody involved, and all that it took to make this show. The effort that went into every single department on this show was um, beyond anything I had seen. I mean, the thing that's so lovely about being a part of the Marvel universe is we, we the amount of time that is put into and detail that's put into our sets, that's put into our costumes. It's all... Um, it's just, it's some of the, it's some of the best craftsmanship that I've seen on a set ever. And um, 
it always continues to blow my mind in many ways. And then to do take all that craftsmanship and really make it specific to every single decade, it was it was beautiful to watch to to pick out these vintage fabrics and even just building the underpinnings of the costumes to think about the wigs and the different cuts you had to have to have a certain type of curl level and the different um you don't even think about this but the different types of false eyelashes that you'd wear the the shape of the nails like there's so much detail that went into what you see um and even like the love that went into our set design and our props we have one plant that Catherine brings over in the first episode and that plant grows in every single episode and you maybe will, would completely miss it, but it's there. Um, so there's just all this like, and, and our props guy, like Russell, he, he puts all these Easter eggs all over the place for our fans. And so it, the whole thing's just been um, kind of miraculous to, to watch it all come together. And um, I think it was one of the hardest jobs for every person on the show because of um because of having to change so many decades you don't just have like one decade um that you can rely on just even doing exterior scenes and how the picket fences have to change and the flowers have to change that you just don't think about those things next we hear from paul bettany who plays vision in this interview he talks about how much he enjoys working with elizabeth olsen in that they both have the same kind of style and she was never late for set. These are just fun interviews to listen to. So Lizzie and I have been making these movies for quite a bit now, and we got to know each other really slowly. And I guess slowly over time, I suddenly realized, I slowly realized it dawned on me that she'd never been late on set once, and I love that. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out that we have exactly the same work ethic. And she's um, fastidious. She uh, uh, she always comes to set with an idea. And believe me, that's rarer than you would think. And, and so do I. And so we're both professional and really want to work at it and really want to it to be the focus, you know, of, of what we're doing. That's why we're there and we work really hard at it. And she works really hard at it. And um and uh, I think we, by, by this point, I come to trust each other so much that um, uh, it was just it was just very easy to take big risks. Next, you hear from Elizabeth Olson talking about how much she enjoyed working with Paul Bettany. Getting to work with Paul for this long has been so so phenomenal. He and I, I think we we both feel very lucky to. Um, have one another we, we 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 work very similarly and um we we discovered that during civil war I, I asked him if he could run lines with me or he asked me for something we were shooting next week and we had both already memorized our scene and that's not the norm and so with this show he and I were able to constantly um communicate and plan and um, Matt Shackman and Jack Schaefer were so welcoming of um, our ideas of what was already there. And, um, and he and I just like, that was just how our brains worked every morning was just 
trying to plan for what was happening next week and how to do it or how to make it better or what we loved about it. And, um, there it's so much fun to get to work with someone who is as, um, invested and excited or even brings that out in you because of their own investment. And so it's, um, it's a great, it's a great experience getting to work with Paul and also he's fun and funny and kind. And it's really important for us when we're the lead actors on a set for um, people to treat each other kindly. And, um, and I, and hopefully that makes people enjoy their jobs and their lives more. (laughs) And so I think we, we try to put that out in the crew every day as well. And um, I think it, I think it ends up being a really special experience for all of us, even with all the crazy challenges that were thrown at us during filming. Next, we're going to hear from Tiona Paris, who plays Monica Rambo. Now, you know her from the 2020 film The Photograph in Charm City, 2019 Point Blank, and the fantastic 2018 film If Beale Street Could Talk. She was also in the show Empire, Survivor's Remorse, and of course, Mad Men. Now, in this interview, she explains how excited she was when she first heard she's going to be part of this universe. The moment I found out I was going to be a part of the MCU, I was filled with so much joy and excitement. I literally thought I was an actual superhero and tried to jump down some stairs. But thankfully, my family calmed me down and said, okay, let's just breathe and be excited in that way. We hear next from the director, Mark Shackman, talking about Tiona Paris. I worked with Tiana Paris years ago uh, on Mad Men. Um, she was uh, new to the show that year. I was new to the show that year. I loved working with her. She is amazingly talented. She comes from the theater like I do. We have a similar sort of approach and background. She is capable of doing any tone or style. Um, she's incredibly funny, um, a brilliant comedian, as well as like just a, a fabulous dramatic actor. So I'm excited for the world to, uh, to see what she does in this show. It's pretty amazing. Next, we're going to hear from Kat Dennings. Now, she plays Darcy Lewis in this show. Now, you know her from the TV show Big Mouth and the recent show Dollface. Again, if you have time, check that out. It is a very good series. And, of course, from the fantastically funny Two Broke Girls and 2013 Thor, The Dark World, 2011 Thor, and so on. Here she is talking about where they are at the midpoint of the season and her character. This particular episode, or this show that we're doing today, is a discussion at the midpoint of this series. So this is her talking about that point of the series. Well, WandaVision is about a sitcom, a very unexpected Marvel Universe sitcom, and episode four is the episode where things start to kind of not unravel, but kind of reveal themselves. So that's kind of where Darcy Lewis comes in to to start to crack the mystery open. Up next, we're going to hear from Randall Park, who plays Jimmy Woo. You know him from the TV show Fresh Off the Boat, the 2019 film Always Be My Maybe. He was also in the remake of Valley Girl. So this is him talking about the story, where they are at this point of the season. WandaVision is about this uh, um, strange occurrence happening in this town called Westview uh, in New Jersey. Um, from the from the perspective of Jimmy Woo, he arrives into this town uh, on a missing persons case because someone has gone missing and he discovers that there is in fact this missing town. And um, uh, not only that, but the people... Uh, 
around the town and near the town don't remember that this town even exists. So it's this real puzzle that that he and uh, um, uh, Monica Rambeau and and Darcy Lewis uh, attempt to to, to solve. Um, uh, and and within this within this world is essentially uh, this idyllic sitcom life that that kind of changes from various uh eras uh, of sitcom and uh um and in that world is wanda and vision and 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 uh, uh basically uh, jimmy woo and, and and the team are, are are trying to figure out what's going on up next we're going to play a clip from this show in this clip we have randall park who plays jimmy woo and he's talking to darcy lewis who's played by cat dennings they're receiving this show on a TV screen in this little tent that they're in. And everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. They know there are two Avengers, and one of the Avengers is dead. So how are they receiving this? Then we have a guy in charge, Tyler Howard, walk up to them and ask what's going on. And they don't even know themselves. So here's a scene from WandaVision. that? It looks like her. You move at the speed of sound and I can make a pen float through the air. Who needs to abbreviate? Look, I know it's been a crazy few years on this planet, but he's dead, right? Not blipped. Dead. Excellent plan. Where's the tenderizer? What am I looking at? You. What is this? Where's this coming from? Out there. You didn't answer the back door for your upside down cage. Oh, hi. Is it authentic? I'm not sure how to answer that. Is it happening in real time? Is it recorded, fabricated? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. What do you know? My equipment registered an extremely high level of CMBR. That's... Relic radiation dating back to the Big Bang. Yeah. Entwined was a broadcast frequency, so I had your goons pick me up a sweet vintage TV, and when I plug this bad boy in, voila, sound and picture. Dinner is served. So you're saying the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers? It's a working theory. Up next, we're going to hear from the director explaining why this project is a director's dream. The show is a director's dream. Uh, You know, it requires uh, recreating these sitcom uh, classic uh, television shows as well as full MCU action. And also it will delve into a world that sort of merges those two as well. Um, for me, it was an opportunity to use kind of every tool in my toolkit that I've collected directing comedy and drama and action over the years, and also to uh, to find some new tools because this show is such an original piece that uh, it, it required sort of constant innovation to, to keep up with it. We hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at WandaVision. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, ways to improve the show, please feel free to let me know, cinemajudge at hotmail.com. And I really just want to thank all my regular listeners. Every episode you tune in and listen, whether it be a blockbuster or just an independent piece, you always show up. And that's what this show is all about, sharing the love of movies and learning about everything out there, not just about one kind. And a special shout out to Mighty Molly and Seymour and Pixie and to everybody who tunes in every week. Thank you very much for listening. From the United States, United Kingdom, and in the United Kingdom, looks like I have a few more listeners. Thank you for sharing the word. If you've told somebody, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Of course, my good friends in France, 
Bulgaria and Australia. Like I said a couple episodes ago, Australia is number two in my listening list. So everybody out there who's spreading the word, thank you so very much. And to my listeners in Mexico, in Germany, thank you so much. And it looks like I have some new listeners in La Vista, Nebraska. Thank you so much. Erlam, England. I got more people showing up there. Manhattan, New York. Manhattan. Thank you so much. Obviously, you guys are busy. You have a lot on your plate. So thank you for tuning in and please spread the word. Columbus, Ohio. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Prior Lake, Minnesota. Rosemount, Minnesota. And another steady listener, Washington, Virginia. Thank you so much. Weybridge, England. South Salt Lake, Utah. Everybody who takes time out of their life to listen to this show, I am so grateful because I know there are thousands of other things you could be doing, listening, watching to, but to everybody who takes time out of their day to listen to this show and just listen about movies, if this could be your oasis, your little getaway, your little distraction even, hey, that's all I ask. And if any of you out there want to join a Facebook group I started, please feel free. It'd be so great to talk to you guys about movies, TV shows, whatever it is. That's what I like to do. And if you want to do it, let's chat. Look up Cinema Judge Podcast slash TV show. It's a private group, so you don't have to worry about stuff being shared all over the internet every time something's posted. It stays in-house. Well, I know one thing for sure. This show got way long, but I've been eyeballing my glass of bourbon this whole time, and my throat and mouth are so dry, and I held off, as you could tell, right there. And maybe I should have dipped into it earlier. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to the Cinema Judge. Ah!